good to see each one here. We are blessed to be in God's house this morning. It's good to have Brother Gardner with us this morning. And uh, appreciate him coming and sharing God's word with us. Appreciate it. Well, I want to thank you for the uh, privilege of being with you this morning. This church uh, is a church that God's using. I shared this morning in Sunday school the uh, Agape Ladies Prayer Group, and my, what a blessing it was to my mother, still is to my mother-in-law, Sister Louise Seaver. Uh, your mission, vision, I commend you, and uh, may God just continue to richly bless it. I got a call, and sometimes things aren't clear. I just understood that your pastor was so stoned that he was not going to be in the condition to preach today. Boy, words can matter, don't they? It kind of reminds me of Brother John White. Any of you remember the missionary John White to Australia? He was uh, he's pastor there for many years. And his first Sunday in Australia, his wife was sick, wasn't able to be in the service, and so he stood up and said, I want to tell you that my wife uh, is just not able to be in service today. She's under the weather. And people kind of chuckled. He didn't know what had happened until afterwards. He found out that uh, in Australia, the term under the weather means on a drunk. So that's a good, good reason to not be in church. And I guess that's as good a reason as our pastor has for not being in church today. I invite your attention to two passages of Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 21, and uh, then we'll be looking at Psalm 34, that's really become my favorite psalm in the, in the Bible. First Samuel chapter 21. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your grace. Most of all, we thank you for pouring all of that into our hearts through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's for that reason that we've gathered today to worship your holy name. We thank you for the songs that have been sung, the, the message that called us to and reminded us of Calvary and the price that you paid for us. We thank you for the privilege of sharing our joys and, and, and our burdens and fellowshipping together. And, and we thank you for the privilege and the freedom that we have to openly share your word, to preach it and to hear it. Now, Lord, help us to do that and help us to take the Word and, and apply it to our hearts and to our lives that we might be what You would have us to be. If there be anyone here that doesn't know You as Savior, oh, how tragic to leave this place without Jesus. We pray that won't happen today, but any lost person here will open their heart and let Jesus in. Lord, you know I'm tired, I'm weary from being in the midst of moving to another house. And I'm, I'm blessed because it makes me more aware of how dependent I am on you. And so I look to you, Lord, help me with my thinking to be able to 
speak and share the word that you would have this your people to hear and that you would have me to hear. To your glory in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, rather than reading all of the passages, I'll read portions of them or refer to portions of them as we go through them. But 1 Samuel chapter 21, we find that David is in a state of panic. Uh, He has received word from Jonathan, Saul's son, that Saul is out to kill him. Now, this is the same David that slew Goliath the giant. This is the same David that killed a lion with his bare hands by the power of God. This is the same David that was told by God, I've chosen you to be king, and you will be king. Now, man, if I had all that going for me and Saul said, I'm going to kill you, Shoot, it wouldn't bother me any, would it you? Or would it? I don't know. I'm still human. And God given me all sorts of promises in His Word that I still at times forget. And I go into a state of panic. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Well, that's what happened to David. He said, my goodness, he's going to kill me. So the Bible tells us he hopped on his horse and he took off, lickety split as fast as he could. He wasn't sure exactly where he was headed, but he was headed and he came to Nob where the tabernacle was located. And all of a sudden it dawned on him, man, in panic, all I have is a horse. I don't have any food. I don't even have a weapon to defend myself. And so he went into the priest. This was God's man. Man that the Bible later calls a man after God's own heart. And he goes to the priest and look at what he says in verse 2 of chapter 21. And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereof I send thee and what I've commanded thee, and I've appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thy hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or or what there is present. Now, what was David obviously doing? He was lying, wasn't he? We've all read about David the liar. Huh? Yeah. Didn't stop there, did it? He took bread that was really sanctified and set aside for the priest. That was the plan. That was the purpose. But he's on the king's business. Maybe I better give it to him. And so he did. And then David said, by the way, in my haste to do the king's business, I got off without even a weapon. Do you have any sword or anything here? And the priest said, well... Only sword we have is the one that you took off of Goliath the giant when you slew him and, and then cut his head off with the sword. And we've got it here wrapped right in the ephod. And David said, That's great. Give it to me. So he takes the bread under one arm 
He takes that sword, sticks it down in his belt, drags it along the ground. It had to be because of the size of David that Goliath was, huh? Can you picture that in your mind? He drags that sword along the ground. He gets to his horse, hops on the horse, and he takes off again in panic. I can tell it's panic. Why? Because he heads toward Nob, going north, gets on the horse, and starts heading southwest. <laughs> That's not the way you'd expect him to go, would it? If he's trying to get away from the king. He rides his horse lickety-split as fast as he can go, and he comes to this town, and he charges into the town. One problem. He failed to notice the city limits sign. And they were proud of their city, a city called Gath, and it said, Welcome to Gath, hometown of Goliath the Giant. Ooh! He rides into town, gets off his horse, goes up, meets the king, and people start talking. Wait a minute, isn't that the David that they sing about that said Saul slain his thousands and David slain his ten thousand? <coughs> All of a sudden, David says, we have a problem here, Houston. What in the world can I do? I've got Goliath's sword. Man, you talk about a bad hair day. <laughs> there he is, right there in Goliath's hometown with Goliath's sword. How in the world do you get out of that? And then it dawned on him. These heathen people, they have a superstition. It's obvious he knew that. And they believe that if a person is crazy, you don't harm them. You just drive them away from them. And so the Bible tells us that David started acting crazy, letting the slobber run down his mouth. <laughs> Pawing on the door, you know, scrapping on the wall. And the king said, hey, maybe that's David, but this guy's mad. He's crazy. We better not touch him. Get him out of here! And so they let David get on his horse and he took off again. And he finally comes to a cave. And we read about that in Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, and my Bible says a Psalm of David when he changed his savior before Abimelech. Now, the high priest was Ahimelech. The king, his lineage title, the dynasty title, was known as Abimelech there in Gath. And so it says, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. Now, what we read about in Psalm 34 is a psalm that gives us instruction on how do you respond when you've faced a time in your life when you've blown it. When you've, or 
when you face a time in life of tragedy, just something that terrible has come into your life, how do you respond? Well, my wife and I faced recently, my birthday was November 24th, a Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, this last Thanksgiving. That night, my two grand, three grandsons called me up, 16, 18, and 20, and wished me happy birthday. Now, how often do grandkids remember to do that? And not very often, you know, when they're that age, teenagers going on. But all three of them remembered and they called and wished me happy birthday. One of the most precious memories I have. And it was especially precious because 48 hours later, the two oldest, Garrett and Deacon, were with the Lord. They were on their way back to college on Highway 16 in Georgia. Guy high on drugs going the wrong way on the interstate. Top the hill, they didn't have a chance to even respond. Hit him head on and killed him instantly. The guy on drugs lived. He was okay. But sometimes that's the way it goes, isn't it? Don't understand it. Anybody understand it? No. Anybody face times in life or maybe you're going through some time now, a time that's just breaking your heart? either because of something that you've done that you're embarrassed about or, or you've been humiliated about like happened to David. Or something in your life where somebody else has done something that's impacted your life. Either way, Psalm 34 was written for me and it was written for you at times like this. So what do you do? What did David do? Look at this psalm. Is that how it starts? That's the way George Carter started if he was writing. You know. Lord would have to do a work in me if I did. The thing is, it's obvious God, when David got to that cave, it dawned on him. My goodness, what have I done? Here I am that have been chosen to be the king and the only way I've been able to survive is to act like I was crazy. Slobber running down my mouth. There was a man that at this point in his life was repentant. It was David. And it dawned on him, regardless of what we face in life, where do we start in responding to it? What did he say? I will bless the Lord when? Huh? What does it say? Verse 1. When? At all times. At all times. When you feel like it? When you don't feel like it. And that's the thing. We don't let how we feel at the moment dictate our response. We take the Word and the instruction of God and we say, God, okay, I'm hurting. Okay, God, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I've messed up or, or somebody's done something to me. I'm hurting deeply. What do I do? Bless the Lord. 
I say, oh God, you're God. I'm so thankful for God. And then he didn't stop there, did he? Look at verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. Amen. If you'll look at me, I want to kind of illustrate something. If George Garner's not careful, do you know what will happen when I face a problem? If I'm not careful, I'll say, Oh, God, i got a problem. Anybody ever respond that way? Oh, God, I've got a problem. What would it be like instead of doing that if we just said, Oh, God, I've got a problem. Huh? Because that's what it is with God, isn't it? Huh? To be what we can be, we've got to let God be who He is, don't we? We have to see. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know something in my morning prayer life, something that I... It took a while to dawn on me. But I found out if an effective prayer life has to begin with God. In fact, I think our Sunday school lesson made a note of that this morning. Start out, regardless of what's going on, start out by... God. Because if we see Him for who He is, see Him as a blessed God who also blesses, then everything else becomes little. David said in verse 4, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from my all, all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. <laughs> Look back a couple of Psalms. Verse Psalm 31 and verse 22. This is David again speaking. And he said, For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. You ever... Face a time when you pray and you just feel like it's not going anywhere. Well, it may not be going anywhere because you've got unconfessed sins and that you want to hold on to. Because it says, if I regard or hold dearly sin in my life, he won't hear. So there are times he's not going to listen. But have there been times where you said, Lord, I've tried to confess my sins. I'm trying to, but it just it just seems like my prayers aren't going anywhere. Anybody other than me ever ever feel that way? Yeah. I know here a while back, I was going through a very difficult time, and it just seemed like my prayers weren't going anywhere. And I, and I kind of said to myself, well, God, you're just not hearing me. And he called my heart to 
memory of that verse. And it was just like he said, it wasn't verbal, but it was just like he said, oh yeah, George, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. And if you're seeking to follow Him and you pray and it still feels like, feels like He's not hearing, remember Psalm 31, verse 22. And let Him say to you, oh yeah, Brother Barr, Brother Hall, folks, teenagers, I hear you. I hear you. You see, just because we may feel like He's not hearing us, that doesn't mean He's not hearing us, does it? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And there's strength in it, being aware of that. This poor man cried, verse 6 of Psalm 34, and the Lord heard him. And it doesn't stop there. It just keeps getting, as the old boy said, gooder and gooder and better and better. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Now, we're living in a time where some are giving attention to angels that becomes a worship of angel, or looking to angels sometimes for intercession. There's one religion I think of that is, is being pulled that direction. We're not to worship angels. We're not to pray to angels. But isn't it good to know that God sends His angels? He literally sends His angels. We have angels that are watching over us as servants of our Lord. And sometimes God uses those angels to protect us when we're about to have a wreck. Sometimes he says, angels, pull back. I'm going to let them go ahead and be brought home to me. But isn't it wonderful to know if you're facing a tragedy in your life or if you've faced a humbling experience like David and you've had to come and say, oh God, forgive me and restore to me the joy of my salvation. He had to do it again, didn't he? David was well practiced at having to repent. Anybody else well practiced at having to repent? Yeah. Yeah. But you see, uh, he learned those lessons. And God saw fit to have these lessons shared with us for reading. And because of that, when I bless the Lord at all times, when I magnify the Lord, see Him as He really is, and how little our troubles are when they're given to Him. When we seek Him, we can taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. In light of that, knowing that, what are we to do? Look at verse 14. He said, depart from evil and do good. Verse 17, the righteous crying, the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Notice it says, out of. You know, we're living in a day where 
there's some TV evangelist that preach what's called a prosperity evangelism. Once you come to Jesus, you're going to be rich. You're never going to get sick. You're never going to have kidney stones. You know. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I've lived long enough at 72 years to see a bunch of those folks die. You know, <laughs> get sick and die. No, that's, that's not. Doesn't say we won't go through them, but he said he'll deliver us out of them. One that spoke at the funeral of my grandsons reminded us, folks, you may never get over it, but by God's grace you can get through it. Amen. And that's his promise. That's his promise to you young people. I wish I could stand up here and say, you just trust Jesus and you won't have any sorrows in life. You won't have any disappointments. You won't have anybody wrong you. You won't mess up yourself. I wish I could say that. Only problem is I'd be lying if I said it. Because God doesn't promise that. But He does promise I'll never leave you or forsake you. And because of that, in that Psalm 23, He could say, And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou because of that he could say and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever verse 18 has become to me the most precious promise as far as the statement of the promise in the psalm the Lord is nigh that word nigh means just as close as you can get the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I wish I could stand here today, I mean, in the flesh I do, God knows, and say that I've never been through any scars of life. That's not true. About 41 years ago, as a chaplain, I was flying back on the plane from Germany. I was in combat gear. My heart was broken because I had received what I had seen other soldiers receive and administered to them, trying to encourage them. I'd received one of those Dear John letters and I found myself coming home to become the single custodial parent of a baby in diapers and a daughter in a wheelchair. And my heart was broken. And I cried out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I've got to have, I've got to have a word from you. And I had in my ammo pouches as a chaplain. I always did. I have them stuffed full of Gideon New Testaments. We have any Gideons here? No? Okay. But I pulled out one of those, a little green New Testament, and I opened it up. And you know, this is a God thing. I opened it up, and it opened to Psalm 34. I wasn't looking for Psalm 34 because that verse... I'm sure I'd read it, but it didn't speak to me like it was about to. 
And I prayed and I looked down and I focused my eyes and the very first words that my eyes saw was Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I kept reading, and in verse 22, The Lord redeemeth the soul of His servants, and none of them that trusteth in Him shall be desolate. Now folks, this church, and I know your doctrine, y'all don't teach that if you're a Christian, you won't face troubles. But you do teach what the Word teaches. His promise. And in the New Testament corresponding to Psalm 34 and verse 18, in Hebrews 13 and verse 5 are those precious words of Jesus, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There may be someone here today that's struggling. And you've needed to be reminded of God's promises and His instruction that I've shared in the Word this morning. If so, I pray you'll open your heart and let it be real in your life. Because I can testify that when you do, the future is as bright as the promises of God.